Hello, hello, and welcome to the Listen to This Bull Live Show. Today we've got a special session for you. If you guys have never seen this show before, this is a show you get to ask us questions live, and we'll actually answer them. You can ask Reggie why he's in jail if you want. He'll actually answer you. Yeah. <laughs> um, today we got Reggie Brock in the house. If you don't know who Reggie Brock is, you're about to find out, and you're about to find out why I thought it was a good idea to put him on the show. Uh, because... This man is amazing. But let me hit this button, get things started. Reggie Rock. How the hell are you? Man, I promise you I'm better than I deserve, but thankful whatever I have is mine. And so it's uh Life's really good. I'm enjoying some life in Florida now for the last three and a half years. And um, so, I mean, there's no complaints. So most people know you from your days at Beacon, Beacon Roofing Supply. Yeah. Uh, and then you recently left and so many people are like, what? <laughs> Why did that happen? What the hell is he doing now? So you want to give a little bit of background about yourself or the audience and yeah. then Let's get into so, it. <clears throat> I was with Beacon for three and a half years and loved them, loved the people. And I left simply because at the time in my life right now, there are other things that I really want to do that <clears throat> really were not fair to Beacon or anybody else in terms of like me wanting to help people. And, you know, some of the things that I've been able to do over the last several years, I just we reached a point to where it just wasn't fair, right? It wasn't fair for me to, you know, keep uh, staying at Beacon and, you know, building out a good career, but I just like, I feel called to do what I'm doing. And so I just needed to make a transition. I spent 26 years in the insurance business um, and uh, started out on life and personal side and kind of moved to property a little bit. I actually got an adjuster's license a public adjuster's license and so i've run the gamut i work Wait, i've been in, you were a public adjuster too yeah yeah i didn't know that all right all right yeah so wow. we were in in texas you know i thought i was kind of wanting to bolster my career a little bit and i had a bunch of friends that were pas and i'm like you know this might be a good thing and i never did anything with it i got the certification um but <laughs> Yeah, so I've been kind of all over the place with insurance and restoration work and uh, worked for Mad Sky, the managed repair company for three and a half years. Pretty well. I mean, everybody's kind of familiar with my story, uh, but the, the reason for this last transition is just I was raised around people who really, really, really committed to helping others. And that's never really left me. I've just not been able to put it into practice the way I wanted to. So now's the time where I'm going to kind of launch out on my own and do some things that I feel like help people and, um, uh, you know, yeah. just contribute to lives in a different way. You know, I've, I've seen you on stage so many times and every time that you're speaking from stage and, and this was in a beacon roofing supply capacity of some yeah. kind, it's a convention or another uh, roofing event or, mostly roofing events and now that i think about it that i've seen you out there but you always make a huge impact on the audience so much so that you seem to have just this massive following that are so very focused and, and, and love to hear anything that you have to say uh you've, you've impacted me and that's hard to do because i don't usually get into those kinds of motivational type and yeah. and self-learning emotional type things yeah it's not my uh i meant my venue but you know it, it's hard to get through into this heart uh, but you've been able to do that. So when I heard that you were leaving Beacon, it, it, I was like, oh, crap. This guy's a powerhouse. It's really yeah. making waves. It's really helping people. So I, I got to know what you're doing now. Yeah. So I think what you said is really, really true. Uh, I, I just enjoy seeing people get better at the life they're doing. You know, I I mean, the the, the real things that make me get up every day or knowing that people have, I've, I've met them in a certain place and they're wanting to get to another place and they've welcomed me in on their journey. It's just not like I'm, 
I'm the answer guy. It's just like I enjoy walking life with people and kind of helping them to see how they or at least make some suggestions of them on some changes that they can make to really find the fulfillment that they're after. And I, I see a lot of people, Matt, that are at one place gazing to another and just don't know how to get there. And I don't have all the answers, but what I found is that walking life by yourself, especially in difficult kind of areas of life that you can't figure out is really hard. And so the most meaningful times of my life is when someone's come along and not like, like said, like, well, you got to do this, this and this. But like, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? Have you, you know, not trying to make a decision for me, but just enlighten me. And so um, I've seen that my whole life pattern. And I just think that uh, I offer a lot of because of my age and experience, I offer some wisdom and understanding to people that can help them maybe get by stuff they've been fighting a long time. And so, you know, my goal is really to mentor leaders, guys that are already kind of in place and they're, you know, they've maybe plateaued a little bit and, you know, they've done all the right things in terms of their business strategies, but there's still some things internally that they battle with and they're never going to talk about them openly, nor would I suggest it, but they, I've been able to have like this provoking way about me that causes people to go like, Hey, I've maybe avoided some of this stuff personally. I really want to take action on it. Can you help me just kind of support and, you know, just talking to me, let's walking together in some areas and make some suggestions. And it's been powerful for me because I don't feel pressure of like saying, here's the answers. It's just like, how do, how do you get to the answer? You know, and, I may be able to redeem some people's time because I've been there and I've done those type of things. And it's personal, it's business. And lately I've seen a lot of people challenging with this whole interpersonal uh, chase for fulfillment, meaning they just don't seem to get along. You know, there's no chemistry in the office or at home or wherever. And so if I, if I nutshell it, I would just say I work with leaders in particular to help them develop more um, traits personally and characteristics interpersonally that can help them kind of grow and become really what they've been chasing that they haven't found yet. And so it's interesting. I mean, nothing's the same. I mean, everybody has different kind of um, challenges that they're facing. And um, but anyway, being able just to journey with people and to provoke them by because I do think I see and experience things with people not in a weird way but just like I have reading people pretty well and they seem to want to open up to me and so is that always happen for you make progress is that something that that throughout your whole life people really open up to you or is this something that really has happened since getting gray hair and you look wise as hell yeah you know I, I think I've seen it for so long I expected it out of my own life like you know, the way I was raised, my father, I think I've told you before, was a minister. And, you know, not all ministers are bad guys. You know, we see a lot of it portrayed in the end, you know, just on, in media about, you know, these guys, you know, a lot of these preachers, especially the ones that make so much money, you know, that, you know, they're ripping and skimming everybody off. But there's a, a group of local guys who go into communities and just live in the community and they want to help people just, you know, in life. And so I watched that and I realized a couple of things that, for example, my dad, he lived to give without really thought of getting, but he always got, <laughs> right? And so I wondered, like, how does that happen? Well, the challenge that we face to replicate that today is the only thing we're generally, that we really care about is things that impact us directly and we can see a result from it that creates benefit for us. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but there is such an element of loss that we have as humanity because we've just always focused on getting before the give. And so one of the things that I've seen is the more I pour into people and help them I tend to have 
all of my other issues of life handled. Because I do believe that like that law of, uh, of sowing and reaping is a universal law. I mean, it's like you sow, you reap. And, you know, I, I feel like I have to sow first to reap from. And so the benefit to me with people is it gives me an opportunity to like to pour into people without with with the goal of their advancement and it fulfills me. I mean, just like it just fulfills me knowing that I can get on the phone with somebody one night, they call me the next day and there's new progress in motion. Like they're going like, I get this, that, that, that causes great fulfillment with me. And so that's what I chase. How do I help people advance their life in areas generally that are unseen that I want to talk about and um, you know, that gives them the opportunity to really move forward and advance in their life. And if I can do that for whatever years I have remaining, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it with companies right now, just like just going in with the companies. I can see you now, Matt. Well, that was weird. Yeah. Especially when I had to see the whole screen of myself, that was very weird. (laughs) So yeah, I, I work with companies that just like I bring in thought and, you know, training to their leadership teams on developing what I call these soft skills, you know, um, hard skills. We have a lot of guys doing that and they do it great, you know, sales and marketing and, you know, um, working, you know, with adjusters and attorneys and homeowners and our industry, you know, we have a lot of smart people out there, but I think we've missed a huge bullseye of opportunity when we neglect giving people the chance to really expand and to grow uh, internally so that they can have an impact uh, in a different way with the company they're with and the people that that they serve. And so my approach is more personal and interpersonal development and growth as opposed to hard skills like, hey man, you got to get Xactimate 6,402 version or whatever it is now. And so that, that kind of information speaks to me personally. I, I like the idea of getting certifications. I like yep. the idea of having something, the soft skills you're talking about. I think that that might get me ahead faster than someone else. I've always, I've always been the guy that wants to research all the information to know yeah. more than the rest of the people around me so I can put together what's really going on and, and be able to interact as a result of that. And I learned the hard skills that you're talking about through trial and tribulation and reflection myself without ever wanting or desiring to have an outside source help me through those things. So I'd be your hardest audience member ever to sell on this. So what would you say to a guy like me? So I just think you're ignorant. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, I think think that I say that kiddingly, but it's the truth. We have spent years and years and years of seeing life advancement, especially in profession, seen one way. You get better at your technique and you get better at your tactics. You get certification. You, you know, you bring sales guys in to teach sales gurus to teach us how to sell better. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it all matters. Getting smart, educated, and well-informed and our tools really sharpened is like critically important. Homeowners, we don't want, nobody wants to deal with somebody who's less than an expert when we're spending money. I mean, you right. got, that expertise is like really, really important. But I recently asked myself, I've been thinking about this for a couple of years. I was like, so why is it that we have all these tools, certifications, and um, resources available to us, but still yet most people still find very little incremental growth professionally. You know, I'm not saying all of them are like that. There's got to be something missing. So I started studying and there's a a recent article that I read that was put out by Harvard and I don't read Harvard, but this one must've been in comic books or something. I I don't know. But (laughs) Harvard, Carnegie, uh, I think it's the Carnegie Mellon Institute and then uh, Stanford University. They brought their resources together and they polled and um, really surveyed like the top, what they considered hundred leaders, not just CEOs, but I mean, leadership people, these were people from religious backgrounds. These were people from politics, people from business, just all sorts of them. And their primary question was this, 
how have, can, how do you describe the success you've had? And what do you attribute it to? And this is what got really interesting to me. They said that 85%, this was a collective uh, study, but 85% of the success that they've had, they attributed to soft and people skill development. 15% of their success, they attributed to tactical or technical advancement that they had. Now, I'm not saying that. Guys that were a whole lot smarter than me have studied it and found out that if you really want to propel really massive incremental growth, you cannot avoid not dealing with these soft and people skill issues. And so I start, well, what's soft skill and people skill issues? I understood. Look, we, we know how to, we know how to, uh, a roof warranty works. We know how, you know, elements of the roof fit together and work together. And that's all great. And I mean, we're real smart with that. But what they're telling us is that there is another way to escalate your professional and personal life by focusing like they did on something past the tools in your hand. And so when I started seeing that, it dawned on me like, yeah, we're doing the same thing we've done for years, just different versions to get better. And so now maybe we, I'm not saying forget that other, but I'm just saying, can we not get a little bit more balanced in our approach? So for example, communication is a big strategy these guys talk about, written and uh, verbal, right? So one of the things that they talk about is our salespeople have more tools available now to be really, really smart in communication or presentation in the home or wherever you're at. But there's a difference between presentation and communication. And so when you look at the presentation, I can have people build like, I mean, these beautiful decks and, you know, all this different stuff I can show the homeowner and I can even read it to them off of these slides. But the fact of the matter is, Communication goes beyond presentation, and it's not just what you're saying, but how you're saying it that matters. And so what these guys talk about are those type of skills that we've just kind of overlooked, that we don't really spend time with. How? What are the things inside of companies that people neglect to think about that can make such huge difference in the organizations? And that's where I find myself gravitating to is, you know, look, I, I use this example and then I'll shut up on this. But I, I when I started roofing they in 2010, a lot of crews were still hand nailing. You know, I mean, there wasn't a lot of pneumatic back then. And so I I thought the other day, if I back when I was running crews, because I started out just selling roofs and running crews. And I mean, I learned business literally from the ground up. And so. Uh, I thought to myself, so if I go out, so when I started in 2010, pictometry, uh, aerial pictometry was not even, I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't there, but most didn't use it. I had to learn to drop tape. Yep. And I am horrible with math, still am. So my poor wife on Sundays would take me out. She's, she had an applied, she was, she's a pharmacist, but she basically has an applied math degree, just really, really smart. And so she'd take me out and we look at cut up roofs and she's like, honey, this is triangles and rectangles. Right. You, you, let me just show you how to do this. And so <laughs> by, by, by the time I learned it, I mean, aerial measurements were out more and I thank God for it. My point is since 2010 till now, the tools and, and the resources that are available to roofers today is crazy. It's like, it's just so advanced. And so I thought to myself the other day, if I owned a roofing company and they were still hand nailing, I feel like as a good owner, I'd go out and try to buy them the best hammers that they possibly could have. I mean, and I would spend money on them and I would be technically advanced because I want them to be efficient on the job. Then I go to the job with these 10 hammers and I hand them out to my crew and I notice something about them. There are all of their, and this is, I'm just using an analogy here. Every one of them have a broken swing arm. 
So if they're right-handed, they're swinging, they've broken their right arm. So I hand these tools out to them, but they cannot use them because their arm is broken. And I think that's what's happened to our industry a lot today. We're putting good technology in the hands of people whose arms may be broken. There's something about them that is called, and it's not the tool. It's the arm that's swinging it. There's something that's happening to them that is causing them not to be able to use the tools you're purchasing for them effectively. And as a result, we all get frustrated because you've got all the tools. Why aren't you doing a better job? You might need to think about the arm swinging the hammer. It may just be some issues inside of people that they don't want to talk about, but something's broken, right? And like, or it needs to be adjusted or something so that the tools that we give them can actually be utilized for the purpose that we purchased them for. So I'm not telling people, hey, don't use tools. What I'm telling them is you might need to focus a little bit on why the tools you bought are not really being effectively used by whom you bought them for. And it may be because their swing arm is broken. And so if I can help people to like just give room in their minds to go like, oh, well, maybe it's not that my people suck. It's my people just may have some broken parts that they need to kind of deal with so that when they start dealing with them, they're going to be able to produce at a very higher, a much higher level. And it won't be because of the tool. It will be because the arm is healed or whatever the situation is. And so I think sometimes we just have to look behind the scenes, so to speak, and just start realizing, you know, and giving people the room to go like, you know, this may not be because you suck. It may just be because you need some help with some areas and, you know, giving them the grace and the opportunity to do that. Do you, what would be the difference between what it is that you're helping with and therapy, I guess? Yeah, that's a good question because I'm not a therapist. Don't want to be, I don't, I'm not a counselor. I don't want to be. What I really believe is that people have the ability if they feel like they're understood and being walked and somebody will journey with them on stuff like this. I believe that people can handle their own business. You know, I think that people can finally get courageous enough if they feel like they have been provoked and it's important enough to them to really put some action in plan. And so therapists and counselors are much smarter than me. And I don't try to give advice. What people come to me for is, dude, I'm faced with this. And if I've experienced something, I can go like, hey, here's some of the things I did. Or here's somebody I know that can really help you focus on this that maybe I'm not equipped for, right? Um, And so the big difference is I don't really get into your mom and your daddy and all that kind of stuff and how you were raised. And I I don't do that. I just, I'm like, here's, you first got to realize that this this detachment from reality is true. I mean, it's truly what they're facing, meaning These guys want a more advanced career, but they just can't reach after reaching a certain point. They just can't go any further. And what I believe is this, our personal life and our career advancement are symbiotic. You're going to grow and keep pace professionally with what you're capable of personally. And so you can't, I mean, it's hard to excel in business when you when when the the wiring personally is not in place to pull that off. That's just what I think. So if I mean if that's true, then why do so many just absolute dicks end up being so successful sometimes? Yeah. So here's I I, I do believe this. I, I think that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. I think we live in a society today where if you can't make a good living in the the economy that we all are blessed to be in, you're probably just not really working. And there are some people that even though they may be, you know, that, that there may be stuff inside of them that's, uh, you know, 
cancerous, so to speak. And I'm talking about emotionally or not physically, but emotionally or mentally or something like that. Dude, they put in so much time and they put in so much effort, they compensate for it. And, but they too will reach a point to where they, they, and I, and the reason I say this confident is I could name names right now. People, you know, who you would look at probably go like, dude, there's, they're like, everything is perfect and everything because that's the way they've built their life is on this outward appearance. And, but inwardly they know they're like me and you, they face stuff that, They've just been able to compensate for either in working more or in some cases they've gotten lucky with some people have it. Compensating for it. Yeah. So you know, if, you, if you get a broken bone or you have an injury, your body will compensate and work around that. Suddenly exactly. start getting issues in different parts of your body because of the compensation. So without addressing the actual issue, you could actually do yourself more harm down the road, even yeah. though you might feel like you're doing just fine. And I think what I tell people is. And we're not talking about just having a really big lifted truck when we're talking about compensating, right? Right. (laughs) That's that's, that's true. Here's why I say if people, they're trying to change the wrong things in their life. When the toothpaste is already out of the tube, it's too late, bro. You can't stick it back in there. You've got to figure out what's happening that's led to the result that you're not comfortable with or other people aren't comfortable with. And it takes courage to do that kind of stuff to where you're like, especially if you're successful. And I mean, in the eyes of people and you're, you know, you're killing, you know, everybody's like, Oh my God. And you know, you you feel like you don't have time to slow down and deal with this stuff. But what I'm seeing is that people are dialing into this more and more and going like, you know, look, my life in horrible, but there's some things that are holding me back that are unresolved. There are issues that I now can identify as why I'm not really good at run, building a culture inside of my company because I there's things that I do that don't support us having a meaningful uh, culture that people are drawn to. And so I just kind of come in and go like, Hey man, let's look at, let's look at this leadership from two different perspectives. What are the personal things that you may, and I'm not, I don't go like, all right, write them down and send them to me and sign it in blood. It's like, just, you need to be aware that some of these distractions you're having, there's a reason for it. And maybe before we can go forward, we have to look back a little bit. Yeah. What, you know, this, that you're seeing this toothpaste already out of the tube how did we get there? I mean, it's like how, how, and so if people will take time to just look back and start thinking about, Oh, well, I, this tends to happen when this happens. And then they start like figuring out ways that they can alter that so that the same result doesn't occur. Dude, that's, that's where the magic is. It happened for me and it happened Listen, I'm going to say this and I promise I'll shut up. I do believe this. We will only chase what we have appetite for. So you're not going to find me one day starved to death for uh, rutabagas. I have zero appetite appetite for it. You could drive a backup of a dump truck to my yard and say free rutabagas for life and just dump them off and I would never touch one of them. I hate them. Now, you drop <laughs> something I love, or you even put it somewhere that maybe I don't belong, but I have such a deep desire and appetite for it, I'll knock walls down to get to it. And so what we have this propensity to do is we are we are driven by our appetites, and most of us are not controlled enough to really say no to no things that we know are going to create some kind of collateral damage somewhere in the near future until it's too late. And that's what happened to me. I toyed around with stuff that I knew eventually would bring me down, but I thought I'm smart enough to like work around it. Like, (laughs) and there are things when you use an example about the broken leg, we compensate for, I, I have, things in my body right now that because I 
treated my body bad in the past, I limp, so to speak, with it now. I mean, it's like, it's a, I, because I tried to compensate for it as opposed to fixing it. And so, you know, I think that's where people live. It's like, hey, I, you know, I've got to make some adjustments, but noticeable and lasting change is tough. And honestly, most people don't want to put the work in. So Tom from the audience uh, made a comment, trying to think yourself into better performance or behavior has its limitations. You're not talking about just thinking things like the, the oh, secret no. or whatever like that, bringing it from the universe into the, this. This is not mystical stuff you're talking about. Yeah, no, this I, is, yeah, this is actionable items. You know, I, I do believe you've got to think about things to really inspire, to spur action. Because if you don't think about it, you don't have any idea what actually to do with it. So I have to think about it. But then that's the problem. Most people don't see change that needs to happen because they're not committed to the work it takes to get it. So to his point, yeah, this ain't about uh, just thinking about stuff. This is about recognizing it, being very self-aware, being and being willing to take the necessary steps and the adjustments that are required to get the action and the results you're looking for. Yeah, this ain't just let's think a good life. This is like figuring out what a good life is and chasing it with the actions required to get there. And I, I use this statement a lot and I believe it. Dreaming is a good thing, but until you take action on your dreams, you're just a dreamer. And dreamers don't get anything really done. It's the action takers that are willing to go out and do something. And so I, I have people come up to me pretty regularly and go like, hey, man, I heard you speak. And it was, been, I mean, great. It made me like provoked me. And my honest question of them after that, they've said that is, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, you, we, you know, sugar rushes are, they go away quick. And even like when people say, oh, it's very motivational, very inspirational. And I appreciate it. But the fact is, I wanted to provoke you. So you can't just like, oh, man, that felt good. That, you know, it has inspired me. I want you to go, oh, my God. Now I've been provoked at a deeper level that's going to require me to take some action. And so that's what most people don't do. Again, they don't want to put the work in. They think about it. They'll, you know, talk about it. I'm not going to take the act, needed action for it. So I agree with Tom. You're going to change. Justice got to be made the way you act. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're not actively doing anything, it's just not going to happen. You can't, nope. can't nope. wish things to just happen for you. you yeah. And this is I'm not, about it and developing a plan and actually. Yeah. And I'm not, this is not a, I don't lead Kumbaya campfire services. You know, I'm not, when I go in, we start dealing with stuff and then it's uncomfortable. But it's stuff that makes people go like, yeah, there is a way. There are action plans. We talk about those things so that we're incrementally getting to whatever's next that's important to people. And that's and they're trying to eliminate some of these obstacles that have kept them from getting there. And so, yeah, this is this is tough. And that's why change is so hard to get. Most people just don't want to mess with it hard enough to work on it. It's got to be worse now than before with so many things changing so very rapidly. I don't know if humans were designed to be as adaptive as we're having to be these days. Uh, I mean, we're, we're adaptive. Yeah. But maybe not as adaptive emotionally, maybe not as adaptive in, 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 in the we're going to have to change as a society to be able to change with what's coming down with, with the AI revolution and the robots oh, taking over or whatever. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of changes a lot faster than ever before. Well, and got to think get about it. this kind of stuff. There's nobody wants to talk about. I, in my generation, you raised like, and maybe latter ones like that would include yours, you know, men in particular, they just don't, I mean, emotions are not something that, are dealt with or talked about because it showed like this sense of weakness. And it's like, I, I mean, big boys don't cry. I mean, big boys don't, they don't gut themselves like that. 
And so nowadays, though, it's kind of hit the other extreme. I mean, I watch TV sometimes with these <laughs> with these leaders, and I, I watch them, and they start crying, and I can't relate to it because I think they're so over emotional, right? But or you might even just assume it might be a fake or or for the right. show kind of thing. Yeah, right. yeah. But our emotions are a huge piece of us, and not just how we handle our own emotions, but how others see us handling emotions affects organizations. And so I think emotional stability and intelligence is really the sustainability factor in most companies where people can really learn that emotions are not to be eliminated, but to be worked in and with is like a totally different approach to building culture. And so, you know, I, I think I don't think we need to run emotional businesses, but I don't think that we can overlook the the power that comes with emotions and how it does affect our business and in dealing with other people. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you got people like me and, and there are emotional. There are some people that are a lot more emotionally driven than others. Um, and it's. Do you think it can be a trained thing, even if it's never really felt or understood? Is that something that someone can learn to adapt to from a technical aspect? Yeah, I do. Um, but I think it just takes practice that leads to habit. And see, that's, again, what people don't want to do is sometimes we just got to practice things that don't even feel comfortable. And then the longer you start practicing them, they become a little bit more habitual, a little bit more habitual. And then that that's what you want to get to where it's instinct. You know, it's just like, it just happens without thinking about it kind of deal. And see, like, I'm not for sure you would consider yourself or many would consider you an emotional guy, but I'm going to tell you what, I've heard you get really passionate about things you love. And this Definitely show is like that, <laughs> right? That's true. And so I, I, you know, some people are just more controlled, which I think is a gift. And so like with you, I'll never forget. We were at Estes roofing and, and that's kind of where this conversation started for me with you. And I noticed some things about you I'd never seen before. And I'm like, Oh, that's what he's passionate about. And we've started talking about things that really interest him or at least he's curious about, right? And so I, I would, but I would rather have be in a room of a pack of 10 of you than I would be when it comes to hard, important decisions than I would be with some of these guys that are loud and like, you know that their thoughts last less than a millisecond in terms of their impulsiveness and that drive that, has really even in some cases catapulted them to the top, but I'm more comfortable with people who manage life. And that's where I want people to get in their lives as well. It's like, how do we not be unemotional, but how do we be controlled financially? Whatever. I mean, just whatever you want to look at my wife well, finds security in my stability. You know, my wife finds security and calmness in uh, that she can experience when she senses it for me. Don't tell me that stuff is not important to relationships and to business. And so us focusing on how do we develop these things that have long shelf life to them and that we know are um instrumental to our growth both personally and professionally how can we set them aside i'll tell you the reason we the easy reason we set them aside is we don't talk about this stuff you know yeah, even yeah. getting me on the phone today there's a little bit of uncomfortable just like uh, soft skills like people skills like nobody wants to hear that we want to talk about killing the insurance company and the fact is i get that but <laughs> we're missing the, the huge part of our ability to get better in all of our lives by not just on focusing on these soft skills, 
that old broken arm, you know, all these things that are in us that are really impeding us from swinging the tools that we have. And I'm that's what I'm committed to. And, you know, I'll say this, and it's true. Very small group of people are going to be interested in this because and I had a guy tell me, I love him. And I, I mean, literally, I mean, he, he's one of my favorite people. I'm going to call his name because you know it. He told me the other day, he's like, Reggie, look, this content he said, I love to hear you speak. You can go in and light up a room. But he said, your content needs propped up. I'm like, tell me what you're talking about. He said, I need to bring, I want you to come in and do this event with us, but I need to bring a hard skills guy in so that people won't like, not like what you're doing, but that's what they're used to is hard skill training. I'm like, okay. I said, I understand what you're saying. Um, I said, I don't know exactly how to do that. And he goes, just like, you can't fill a room with this. And he wasn't saying it in an offensive way, but it's just the tale of who we are today. Nobody thinks, but when I talk, everybody tunes in because I'm talking about things that they don't talk about regularly. And it's when they hear it, they go like, yeah, that's the way I feel. But now I don't know what to do with it. I'm offering them an opportunity to do something with it. Before, Matt, I would be talking about this stuff on stages all across the country and in companies all across the country. And they would come up to me and go like, uh, yeah, I recognize that. Now what we do? What do we do? And I would say, I don't know. I got to go sell shingles. Oh, no. Yeah. So now I can provoke and we can journey together and finding solutions to, all right, how do we just get from here to there, right? This is what you want. And maybe we just need to focus not so much on another sales guru coming in, but more on what it is, what are the characteristics you need to develop? What, how can we do that? And now let's start setting that practice routine. And so then ultimately what will happen is you're going to see this incremental kind of growth. It's just, it's going to be slow. And that's what I tell owners all the time, dude, I don't carry magic pills in my back pocket. Like here, I'm just going to give it to your people. And tomorrow this is going to be changed. It's not going to be like that. Matt, 47% of the workforce today walks into companies today and they are what they refer to themselves as self admitted underperformers. 47%. So this is, I promise this is the last statistic I'll use, but I wondered why is that? It, it didn't say that the owners of the company were saying their employees were underperforming. The employees were saying that. And so the first the thing I did, they were saying it about themselves. And so I thought, what the heck? Why would they say that? I thought bad culture. So what would you think? Bad culture, poor training, that was my list. What does yours look like? Yeah, I would have thought culture, you know, it's, it's, it's an environment yeah. where they don't feel like they need to maybe or right. that it, it would matter. Um, so okay. laziness will set in, in, in an environment. Yeah. I, hell, I've, I've had those issues in my own organization over the years. So, so I'm calling it bull yeah. <laughs> because the yeah. statistics that I read, cause I, and I'm telling myself that too, the statistics, the, the, re, the revelation of the story was this, those underperformers said this. The reason I underperform is because I have personal issues at home that have nothing to do with my workplace, but I cannot leave them at home. I drag them with me and they affect my day. So they believe that they can do better. And that's really what it Maybe It's that they have they know that they're better than what they are. Yeah. And maybe the employer doesn't know that. So they think that they're performing at peak. But, but the now, employee. Exactly. But now the employee comes in and goes like, I'm going to be this, though I'm performing at a high, you, you've met people, they, they have a tendency to be able to turn the light switch on and off, but most right. don't where they can, they can turn some things off and turn other things on. These people walk in and what they think is this, I'm going to be, it's, it's going to catch up to me. And so that's why you see a lot of people that turnover not the only reason, but there's why there's a lot of turnover rate early within, I think, 18 months. The last statistic I read said, and some of it now this study shows is because they feel like the employer is starting to catch up with their ways.
And so rather than an explosion happen, they go find another gig. And so again, I've got now 18 more months to hide this stuff instead of dealing with this stuff. And obviously there are some poor cultures out there too. And this isn't only an inter or in internal issue per employee, obviously, but that's really, that's, that's really interesting. So they, they feel like they're about to get caught. Yep. And, and, the, and they'll be exposed for the fraud that they are. They have imposter syndrome because they know that they could be doing better. Man. And you know what? It don't, I don't know that it necessarily means they're imposters. I just think that they, in their own mind, don't feel like that who they really are can actually be seen, though it may not even affect their people's perception of their performance. They're not going to get vulnerable like that. And because there's that fear of loss and going like, you know, if they knew this about me and I, you know, whatever the situation was, they wouldn't want me here anyway. So you do live that imposter life a little bit. But at the end of the day, people just have fear and lack confidence that if they're truly themselves, um, that people will still want to engage with them in a relationship personally and a workplace environment. It just and the fact of the matter is it holds people back. And so, you know, I'm after, look, how do we get better? You know, how, where are these alterations that you can make? Here's some things that we can do together. And like we have calls with all of us. It's not like me calling and talking to Matt and then Matt. No, we get on the phone together and start talking or live when I get, I'm able to do that. And we just start, you know, speaking at, at, in a real honest and vulnerable way about things. Cause here's what I know. If individuals can get closer to their original uh, design and able to function in that collectively teams grow and become more. And so this really is about team build. And this is about creating cohesion and this is creating about unity. And because I know that if we can eliminate some of this hyper individuality inside of our companies and people can come a little bit closer to working together, the power and the impact of advancement of that collective group is crazy. I've seen it. And so, yeah. Are you doing a lot of this this over like zoom calls or are you going in person? I'm doing, so like I'm only looking to work with 12 companies and how uh, many? Twelve. Oh wow! I have five. I mean, I've been out here about a month now, and I've got five of these guys already lined up. And and the reason only twelve is because I there's only so much of me, and I don't want anybody that is expecting something from me, and I can't give it to them to be disappointed. I just don't. So I think that I've blocked my calendar and my schedule to where I know I can service these 12 people. So that's really a bad way to say that. I'm going to say it. I'm going to talk about skills earlier and I kept quiet. I felt good about it. <laughs> I can serve these people. That's still not really a good word. I can journey. I can walk with these people. I can anyway, I can work with these people and not feel like I'm neglecting anybody because I got to rush on to the next one. And so it's 12 to me. I think there's some pattern that we're going to build and some things that I think we're going to learn from in this first year uh, to maybe be able to help more people in the future. But right now I'm just focused on 12 and, you know, I do a couple of calls. I, I go like I'm leaving my wife and I are leaving in that RV, uh, Monday to we're going to Birmingham and then we're going to Missouri and then down to Texas for about three. We'll be going three, three and a half weeks, two, two and a half weeks anyway. And uh, we're going to places and I'm talking to people and, you know, we're training. And then, um, then, then I've got some other things that come up that, so that's my core conviction is my 12 and us working together. I also do some day training. You know, I'm going in for half a day at one place, maybe a day somewhere else and really just focused on this concept. And then, you know, I'm probably Matt going to do maybe three, if I'm asked three or four kind of conference things or, you know, events over the year. And then Connie and I are just going to enjoy life. And that's the way it be. <laughs> so 
who would be the ideal other seven people? What, what kind of a yeah. kind of a, your ideal client? Who do you want? Who are you looking for? Yeah. So I think that, you know, I've tried to figure out if, you know, if there's a revenue that they're going to fall in that doesn't feel right with me. Um, I think ideally it's going to be a group of uh, a team that has either some up and coming leaders or some leaders that are already in place. So, I mean, it's going to be, it's probably going to be a pretty substantial business because there's going to have leaders already in place and, um, you know, guys that are just looking to, who, who would commit themselves to understanding there's more to their business build than just technical and tactical. And they'll hear this <coughs> and they'll go like, oh, that makes sense. And then we'll have a short conversation and I'll, I want to make sure we're aligned and <coughs> kind of <coughs> objective and, um, you know, we're kind of on the same page. That's the really cool thing I like about what I'm doing. I can work with whoever I want. You yeah. know, before I've had to sell shingles to people I didn't really like. <laughs> and, <I'm, laughs> and they probably didn't like me either. So, but now I can just do this and we can travel. We love to travel. And, um, uh, and, and again, help some folks, I think, get better individually and then start becoming more mindful of how they're better with other people. And if you can, if you can knock those two out, you're going to, you're absolutely going to accelerate your career without even trying. Like I say, not even manipulating, not even trying to be, you know, you just go to work in better shape, right? And you're able to perform more and your contribution is recognized as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a shame you're only going to take on 12. Yeah, like well, once I, yeah. I think there's going to be some other iterations after that, but really what I'm wanting to do, and so like if there's somebody out there, because the in, the barrier of entry financially is really low, and uh, I'm happy to talk to anybody about that. But, you know, if if you're interested in growing your people, number one, yourself and your leadership team, which cascades down to your organization, this is a really, I would love to talk to you because, there's some unique things and some fresh initiatives, I believe, that we're bringing in to people's companies. And, you know, we're already seeing really great things happen. Uh, but if somebody's interested, just, you know, reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to find on social media. And, uh, you know, I'm Reg you can get me at Reggie at ReggieBrock.com. And, um, you know, I think that um, we're going to do some great things together. Yeah, well, that's great, man. Um, again, you know, Getting through to a guy like me takes a lot. So the, the fact that you did uh, means I, I feel like you have so much to offer. And I really wanted to put you out here, man. It, it, you're you're not my typical guest. I know that. I know typical guys. But I, <laughs> exactly. I'm glad that, uh, that we've done this because this, I, I think so, it's important. I think that I, me, I probably need a lot more. Let me ask you a question. What I'm just curious. This I, I wouldn't even intend to ask this. But what about what I have been saying kind of – interested you or broke through to you that somebody that I wouldn't have typically thought, you know, would have had much interest. And I'm, again, that's me prejudging, but what, what were those things? You know, I hadn't thought about it. Um, you know, someone like me, I, I definitely think about my own flaws a lot. I think I, you know, I internalize a lot of things and then, and then I introspect often. And I try to listen as much as possible. I'm not the most vocal guy in the room. It surprises a lot of people. Um, I'm always listening. I'm always uh, trying to learn as much as I can. But you, you were pointing out things that were wrong with you that I'd never considered about myself. Oh, wow. And I think that's what really probably broke through to me is you made me consider if those were potentially things that I've overlooked about me. Um, so it made a difference. Your, your own personal story made a difference for me. And that generally doesn't happen because I, I really don't give a shit about people's personal stories. Sometimes I just don't. And yeah. it was crazy that it got through to me. So it, I think that's what it was though. It was, it was something different that I'd never really considered. And to be honest, I don't even remember what it was. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Um, I think that there's just, and I know we're trying to wrap this up, but I, I wanted to say this. All I ask people is if they're provoked is just examine it. Like what, why would, you know, like I, I just got, I just was looking at the comments too. Brandon Ford, I, uh, he, it asked, you know, what about small companies? Is there too small? There you go. No, there's yeah. not too small. What I would suggest you do, Brandon, is just reach out to me. Just text me or email me or direct message me or whatever. Reggie at ReggieBrow.com is the easiest. And let's just talk. And I promise you, it'll make fiscal sense. That's not going to be, that's not going to deter you from doing this. But yeah, yeah those are the kind of things, I, I don't want to miss that. So those are the kind of things, Matt, that I think matter to me is like just creating initial attraction. If, if, this, if this is something that appeals to people, I want, you know, like if somebody, if Brandon called me and goes like, first one of the first questions I'm going to ask him is what was said that interested you? Because I want to know what the basis is that we begin with. And, you know, it usually just opens up people's to talk about different things. But, um, yeah, I don't I, – I use and this – I'll close with this. I've, like, said that eight times, but I'm going to try. <laughs> so uh, there's a word that I've studied that a word is – it's a Latin word. It's the word metron. And the word metron means your scope – of influence and the real impact that you have. And so I started studying that word. And as I, I studied it, I realized that Metron really has two factors. Number one, the component I own, it's my unique voice. It's my unique skill and gift that it's just my DNA. Nobody else can. And so what we do is we realize what our DNA doesn't look like as opposed to what it does look like. And we gravitate more, a lot do, a lot of people gravitate to what they aren't as opposed to what they are. And once you get to a point to where you can identify whatever that uniqueness is of yours and you just start declaring it out of your mouth and start speaking about it and of it, there's going to be the other side of the Metron that kicks in. And it's that audience that's been waiting to hear what you have to say. And it creates connection. And so I'm not going to call this guy's name because you know him. I sat down. Uh, he wanted to have breakfast or lunch with me. And I sat down with him and we were talking. And the first thing out of his mouth was this. He said, Reggie, I believe I'm called to reach one billion people. And I'm like, wow. Now, his second question to me was, how many are you going to reach? Now, the instinct in me was to go like, well, a billion and one. If you can do a billion, I'm going to get a billion and one. But I caught myself. I caught Probably myself. days watching uh, Price is Right as a kid, I'm sure. You're right. And so I caught myself <laughs> and I said, the reality of it is this. I believe I'm called to the ones. He goes, well, that's a small vision. I said, because you don't understand it. At the time in the season of my life and the call that is upon me, I feel I'm called to reach ones that are going to reach generations. So my, 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 my bullseye or my target went like from this to this. Not everybody's going to be interested in me. Not everybody's going to be interested in what I have to say. Not everybody's going to be interested in what Matt has to say. What we've got to realize is that we should worry only about who will and who will take action on what we say so that we can help advance their life. So if you're out there and you're hearing this and you think, man, your voice ain't that important, nobody really cares, you're wrong. Somebody has, has been built to hear what you have, what you need, what you can provide them, and you may never meet them, but the impact you can have on their life is really important. Speak your truth. Hmm. So what you're saying is I should... Stop talking to insurance companies because they're not listening. <laughs> yeah, that's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> but, you know, our power is found and our impact is found and the voice is really ours and there's going to be people hear it and they're going to respond to it and the connection is going to happen and great things are going to happen. So I, I believe that. I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, I posted the, your email up. I'll do it one more time so people can get a hold yeah. of you. I assume that there is a website that goes to that too, reggiebrock.com. Yeah, yeah reggiebrock.com. Yeah. And it kind of, uh, 
it'll tell you, you know, more about the outline and stuff. But yeah, uh, Brandon or whoever else has heard this or wants to talk, reach out to me and we'll figure something out. Matt, man, I mean, this has been great. I, I'm, I'm really grateful because everybody's always known me for what I've done. And now I'm just kind of transitioning to what I'm going to do. So you just doing this is very kind and I'm very appreciative. Uh, you, you deserve it. And it's because you're willing to help. And I, I really appreciate that about people. So uh, thanks for being on. And uh, I hope people reach out to you. I hope this is is beneficial. And I hope people that are watching this that are normally my audience and, and getting a lot of all the technical data and everything we give them. I, I hope you actually uh, take heat on this or really think about it. It Reddy's made me think. And that's difficult to do for that side of things. So I think that he I think that he can make a difference for you if you're a little bit more technically minded like I am, yeah. more so than some of the other guys that are out there that, that seem fake in to me. So yeah. thanks, Rick. Thanks for being you. Thank you so much, man. All right. I see you guys on Tuesday at 6 p.m. We're back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs>